keys, I'll be lopsided this way. Y'all don't want that. All right, take your Bible turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 11 this morning. We're going to be picking up in verse number 6 today. But of the times of the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Now, as we've been talking about, as we're getting into this new section of this passage, we began last week a little bit with the idea that what Paul is doing now is he is showing that this revelation of the end times, this revelation of what is to come, this revealing of God's Word, this revealing of when Christ will come, uh, this gives us now that we now have responsibility, right? You and I, because we are responsible with the Gospel, God has entrusted us with the Gospel. God has entrusted us with these last days. And yes, we are living in the last days. We are living here as a light in the darkness as we've seen, as we'll get into as well today a little bit, but this idea of our position is no longer that of darkness or living in darkness or being from darkness, but now we are children of the day, of the light. This is our position. And now we've talked about this last week. We'll get into some more of it today. That because of this is our new position in Christ, our new daily practice is going to be different. Uh, if you are truly saved, right, we're not trying to obtain the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is a fruit of the Spirit. If the Spirit is there, fruit will be there. Now, here's the issue that we've talked about with the Christian life is that many times we don't see the fruit that we're supposed to see. And it's not because the spirit isn't doing his job. It's because we're not doing ours of surrendering our spirit, yielding ourselves to the Lord daily and moment by moment. We're not uh, being transformed by the renewing of our minds, not because the Holy Spirit is not doing his job, but because we are at a refusal and a rebellion. We are living in the flesh we are trying to accomplish spiritual things with carnal means, and it does not work. It will never work. It will only lead to frustration. It will only lead to being unsettled. It will only lead to truly fruitlessness, right? It will produce a fruit that looks shiny on the outside, but the moment you bite into it, it's pithy, even rotten, right? Now, how many of y'all love to eat a nice, soft, pithy apple? No? None of you? What do you do with those? You throw them out to the deer, don't you, right? Or Sorry, you throw them out for the squirrels, and if the deer eat them, right? Want to put in the disclaimer, all right? We don't feed deer around here. That's not right. <laughs> now, what do you want? You want that crisp, right? You want that, you want that honey crisp apple, right? You want that thing that's that big, right? Weighs about a pound. It crunches so loud, you could hear it in the next county, and, and, and the, so much juice that you could get it in the next county, right? right that's the idea. Now, our Christian life, our new position in Christ, we should be crunchy. We should be juicy, right? We should be a good apple. It should be good fruit. Why? Because 
what we're getting into now. He says, you're all children of the light, and the children of the day, we're not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, right? Now, this is not necessarily delivering us straight to a brand new section of what happened before is of no importance, but rather, because of verses 1 through 5, verses 6 through on the way, right, is going to continue this pattern of showing us what our day-to-day life should look like and the fact that Christ could come today, right? Now, if we believe that the return of Jesus Christ is imminent, and it is, that's according to the Bible, as we see all the New Testament alike, that it could happen any day, any hour. It's not just old-fashioned choir songs that talk about it. It is an actual reality. What we find is that our life should look different, right? Sometimes, and let's, let's, I think we can all be honest here this morning, we don't always live like Jesus could come back any day. I know certainly I don't live like I could die today, let alone that Jesus could come back today. But if we did, it would change our Christian life. It would change, I believe, not just our personal life and how we live it, but it would change our communities, it would change our homes, it would change our churches, right? To have that right focus, that eternal mindset. Now, as we pick up in verse 6 through 8, the flow of thought goes from establishing our position to then expounding upon the precepts of the practical conduct of a believer's life. Now, notice this with Paul. Paul is, is often thought of in his writings, and here's what we do to Paul's writings, and I believe we do it with a good intent, but we, we often do it in injustice, right? Let's take Ephesians, for example. How many of y'all have ever heard the first three chapters are all doctrine and the last three chapters are all practical, right? Right? I've, I've said it before, right? And this was years ago, right? And, and teaching it to young people and all this stuff, trying to go through it. Now, we do that for our own sake because that's how our minds work. But how did Paul's mind work? How did God's mind work? It was one letter. It wasn't two different letters. It was one letter together. And we find that what Paul is doing and what God is doing through Paul for the Thessalonian church then and for us today is he is showing that the positional and the practical are like this. There's, there's no separating them, right? There will be no practical if there is no being in Christ, the, the, that position, right? Now, we find that because if there is a position being in Christ, then there will be practical things that our life must look like, and this determines this, and this is the fruit of this, and we find that the two are working together and even, to a degree, defining the one and the other. They don't work against each other, not at odds with one another. Rather, they build upon one another, right? Now, here's what we find. Essentially, in this, the, the first thing we notice here in verse 6 Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us, be, uh, let us watch and be sober. So we are to be watchful and we are to be sober in all things. Now, the idea, as we're going to see here, is to be self-disciplined. And this is the hard part, isn't it? We're very good at disciplining others. We want to make sure that we know, like, oh, hey, so-and-so shouldn't be doing this. They shouldn't be doing that. Meanwhile, we've got a life that's a mess, right? Now, here's the thing. We want, certainly, there to be discipline and order in our church, right? God ordains that, right? There is church discipline for a reason, but guess what? None of us are qualified to go about doing church discipline if we're not even self-disciplined ourselves, right? And so here's, here's the thing. If you get nothing else this morning, you are in charge of your Christian walk today. I'm not, right? This side is not in charge of how unspiritual this side is. Not that y'all are, all right? And this side is not in, in charge of how spiritual this side is. Not that y'all are, right? Now, we see how this goes. You are responsible for you, so own it. You've got no one in your life that you can blame that you are not living and abiding in the Spirit, that you're not abiding in Christ daily, that you're not in prayer in the Spirit, that you're not reading uh, to, to know God, not just reading to read, but reading to know the Lord, 
right? No one else is at fault for that. Not one. So we've got to own that. We must be self-disciplined in these things. Now, here's the idea of it. It is that we are to be under control and to be filled by the Holy Spirit of God. This is what the normal Christian life should look like. McDonald writes, we're to watch against temptation, laziness, lethargy, and, and distraction. Positively, we should watch for the Savior's return. Sobriety here means not only being sober in conversation and in general demeanor, but being temperate as far as food and drink are concerned, meaning everything that comes into our life, not even just our body, but into our life, we had better make sure it is glorifying to God. We had better make sure that it is preparing us for that day of Christ to come. Now, have you ever thought about this before you... Uh, I've always struggled, I'll, I'll say this, I've always struggled with, with my weight, and I've gone through different times where I've been a loss and come back and all this stuff. And it requires, anyone that's ever lost weight or trained to be a runner or an athlete, you know it requires self-discipline, right? It's hard work. Now, here's what, what I've often had to do, right? I, I, when I was losing weight the first time, I, I was in uh, Winston-Salem, it was Bible college. And in case you don't know this, Winston-Salem has the capital of Krispy Kreme Donuts, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? That first semester I was there, I did not eat one donut. Second semester, right? Now, here's the thing, though. It required self-discipline. It required me going, if I eat this, the outcome later will be, right now it's going to be good. Right now it's going to feel nice. It's going to melt in my mouth. It is going to make me incredibly happy. But a month from now, two months, three months, right? Now, we can think about that, whether it's weight loss, whether it's training to be an athlete. But if we think about spiritual things, if we begin to think when temptations and the world comes around us, and even our day-to-day life and everything that comes in it, and most of which we can't even plan for, if we are not thinking that Christ could come back, we are going to be willing to put a whole bunch of junk in our mouth that is going to slow us down. It's going to cause us to be weak, anemic, lethargic. It's going to cause us to droop our eyes and sleep and slumber instead of having our eyes watchful and looking for the coming Christ. The things we consume may quickly and overwhelmingly consume us. We must be controlled by the Spirit. Now, here's the idea. We, we find this. Um, let me see here. Yeah, in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, in verse 18, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now there, the idea, of course, is that he's preaching against drunkenness. But why is he preaching against drunkenness? Because what you are filled with, you are controlled by. Right? Now, it could be alcohol. It could be pornography. It could be pride. It could be food. It could be a million things in our life. But what we, are, uh, what we are filled by, we will be controlled by, right? And think about it this way. Let's put it in perspective for ourselves. In a few months, right, and it already seems hard to think, but in a few months we'll have Thanksgiving. We will eat and eat and eat until we are more than filled, right? Until we are overfilled. And then what will happen? Our body will no longer be controlled by our self-will. It will be controlled by that turkey and that stuffing, and we will fall asleep while watching the Lions lose, right? That will be your thanksgiving. That's our, that's our understanding what you're filled by. It will affect you, right? And so spiritually, as we're living in these last days, we had better make sure that we are filled with what? 
the confidence and comfort of the coming of Christ. When we are filled by the fact that Christ is coming and that there is a job to be done today and that there is a God to know and to walk with moment by moment, then we will find that we are now controlled uh, by His Word and by His Spirit as He does a work within us and desires to use us for His glory in these last days. Christians awaiting the Lord's return should not be indifferent to His return, nor inactive while watching for His return. Now here's what happens. The Lord is not looking for folks to rubberneck for His return. He's looking for people to look for His return, listen for His return, but all the while to continue on our work until He does return. Now here's what happens is that many times, you ever notice this, right? There's a wreck over on Fancy Gap, and everybody sees the flashing lights and stuff. What does everybody do? We slow down and we do this. What does it cause us to do? It causes us to slow way down. It causes a backup. It causes not much progress to be made. Now, here's what can happen. Instead of us looking for Christ to return, we're often looking at the times and the seasons instead of the fact that Jesus is coming, and it slows us down. Right? We look at eschatology from the wrong point of view. We're looking at it of awaiting the Antichrist instead of the Christ, and it causes us to be weak, lethargic. It causes us to slow down. It causes the progress to cease, to come to a halt. Now the coming of Christ, it should move our hearts, but it must move our hands. But it must happen in that order. Now if your heart is not genuinely awaiting the Lord's return, then your hands will not be genuine if they are at work for the Lord. Now you've got to understand, our hearts should long for this day. Our hearts should be watchful for this day. He says, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, But let us watch and be sober. To be self-disciplined, to be watchful, to be waiting. It means that we know something is coming and we're looking for it. We're not just looking for the signs of His return. Rather, we are not even looking for the signs of His return. We're just looking for Him to come and all the while being busy for what He has called us to do. Then we continue when He says, For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken, are drunken in the night. Now the idea is this, and I know that there's some who always read this passion, they go, well, what about the people who work night shift and they sleep in the day? How about them, right? They're not included in this. Well, first of all, I would say that God designed the evening and the nighttime for us to sleep anyways. He, desired, he didn't design our bodies for that. All right? Anyone that's known, anyone in their family who has had to work night shift for decades, I can tell you the toll that it's taken, right? I've seen it with my, my own father who worked it for for three decades, right? It it takes a toll on your body, right? It's not normal, right? Now, furthermore, you go, well, what about those that are drunk? I've seen plenty of drunk people during the day. Now, the idea here is not telling us of when to sleep and when to be drunken, but the principle was this, that those that were of the night, they did their sin in the night. Because even they knew at that time, this was when they sort of went out and ruled and lived. When everyone else is going to sleep and is going to to those self-disciplined people who have worked in the day and are going to rest at night, this is when everyone else comes out, right? Now, he talks about this. Those that are asleep, they're supposed to be sleeping at night, right? That's the, the natural thing. He says those that are the drunkards, they're normally drunk at night, or at least by night, right? And so we find this idea, and he says, for they that sleep, sleep in the night. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on their breastplate of faith, love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Notice how all these things are flowing through together. Those of the night are sleeping or drunken. 
It's the idea that this is the nature of unbelievers. Unbelievers today are one of two things. They're either asleep, they have no idea that the Lord is coming, let alone do they care. They're getting their slumber, right? Even while living their life, they are asleep at the wheel. They're not truly living. No man is truly living unless he knows the Lord, right? There is not true life outside of Christ. You cannot truly live. You can exist. And that's where many find themselves. Then we find the other group of unbelievers, and these are the ones that are drunken. They are controlled by the things of the world. They are uh, filled by, by wickedness and, and lewdness. And uh, here what we see is that this is their nature. McDonald writes, in the natural realm, sleep is associated with night. So in the spiritual realm, careless indifference characterizes those who are sons of darkness. That is the unconverted. Right? That's not us. Why? Because he just told us back in verse 5, Ye are all the children of the light, the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. McDonald continues, he says, Men prefer to carry on their drunken revelry at night. They love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. John chapter 3, verse 19. The nature of believers and unbelievers are polar opposites. They're not standing like this. They're way over there, right? Now, we often think of them as, as simply extremes, but the idea is that they don't come together, right? They're oil and water, right? They, there's this separation, this great divide. We went from being something that we used to be to being something totally different. Now, does it mean that our life looks perfect now that we've been given a new nature? No, that's what heaven's going to take care of. But it does, has delivered us from the power of sin that now, in Christ, we can now say no to things that we could no longer, that we used to not be able to say no to. We find that we've been given a new nature, a new position, a new appetite, a new desire. And so we are not what we used to be. Believers now are in the light, they are alert. They are watchful, they are sober, they are self-controlled, whereas the unbelievers are what we used to be. They are still yet in darkness. They are sleeping. They are drunken. They are without control of oneself. Even the ones who are lost, who seem to have their life together, are a wreck. They just don't know it. That's the sad reality. But let us not forget that that's what Christ saved us from. It doesn't matter if you were the drunk, or if you were the Christian, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the church kid and, and thought you were Christian, it does not matter. You were in darkness. And God, by His grace, has delivered us. Therefore, why would we want to go back and live in what we've been delivered from? Romans 6 talks about this. It makes it very clear and plain that we have been delivered from an old master and have been given a new one. And he's not a, 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 this new master is not a bad master, a poor master. Matter of fact, he is the master that calls us friends. He is the, the master that calls Christ uh, uh, our joint heir, that we are joint heirs with Him, that He is our, our elder brother, if you will. Those without Christ, though, spiritually sleeping, spiritually intoxicated, and we see that there is a huge difference between the two. From God's perspective, He is able to see that they are polar opposites but you and I are able to deceive one another. We're able to deceive ourselves because we are able to be in this flesh deceived by the world, the flesh, and the devil. We must make sure that in this day that we are living as we have been called to live. Not just in the practical sense where we try to live a good life, but that we make sure that we actually know Christ. If we know Christ, we have a new nature. Live out of that new nature. 
Live out of that position in Him. Live in the light. Walk in the light. Be in the light. Abide in the light as He is in the light. Now those of us who belong to the light, He gives us this idea to, to be sober throughout this idea that we're not drunken like those are. He says in verse 8, but let us who are of the day be sober. Sorensen writes, with all this in view, the apostle therefore admonishes us who understand the truth of God's light to be sober. The thought is not really about soberness in distinction to drunkenness, though that thought should be obvious. Rather, the word translated as sober conveys a sense of being temperate, dispassionate, circumspect, or altogether focused of spirit and mind. Here's what we've got to understand. All of us this morning would probably be willing to say that we are a Christian, right? How many of you are saved today, right? We'd be saved. I'm a Christian, right? Now, that's good. I'm glad you're going to heaven. But how many of us are disciples today, right? Now, we would all want to be that. Why? Because that's what Christ has called us to be. A Christian is not merely just to simply go, oh, good, I'm not going to hell. Now I'll enjoy my life until I go to heaven, right? That's really great for them. But God has called us to be disciples. Now, even in that word disciple, what is a word that you would put in that you hear? Discipline. Disciples are to be disciplined. Here's the difference, and you can tell it pretty quickly. <clears throat> those that are church people, those that are Christian people, and those that are disciples. And there is a difference between each one. The Lord would have us to be disciples, to be followers, committed, surrendered to Him completely, to be self-disciplined, to die to self. That's the idea of discipleship, to take up our cross daily and to follow Him, denying ourselves. right? But then we find we have the Christian group. This is the group in the middle that goes, you know, well, I'm not going to hell, and I'm going to try to avoid a whole lot of bad things. I'm just going to be really inconsistent in my Christian walk and not focus so much on the discipleship part, right? Then we've got the other group that is just churchy. They're able to avoid some big moral pitfalls, but in so doing, they're still avoiding repentance and faith. We, we've got church right here, but we don't have even the salvation of the Christian, let alone the commitment of the disciple. The Lord is not merely desiring to save you from, from something. He's desiring to save you to something. And here's what we often miss, and here's what we've done sadly in our churches for far too long, is that we have preached getting saved and being a Christian, but we have not preached with that and alongside that as it should be being a disciple. You ask the average person around here <clears throat> if they're saved, most of them will say yes, and you ask them, well, maybe, why are you saved? And they'll say, well, because Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Now, that sounds good, doesn't it? It does. But here's the issue. The Christian, <clears throat> the Christian is trusting in the Lord to be Savior, and he's saved. Praise God. The disciple trusts in Him to be Lord of their life, though. Notice this progression. Here's why the two should be preached together, that God is not simply calling us to be saved from hell. Yes, that's a part of salvation. And yes, it's an awful good part. But He is saving us to be used for His glory, to be disciples of Him, to follow Him. Wherever He leads, I'll go. To trust and obey, for there's no other way. To follow Christ, no matter what this world might bring about. 
Paul here is calling the Thessalonians once more to make sure that they are not merely being Christians, but that they are being Christians who are discipled and disciples and disciplers. The great, the great thing that Jesus calls His apostles to there in, in the Gospels and in Acts, and ultimately it is passed on to us, we are called to make disciples. We have got many folks who go, well, what about making converts? I want you to know you'll never obey the disciple part until someone is a convert. But notice this, converted not just from something, but to something. That's the key. That's the difference. Now here's what he gets into. He says, let us, us who are of the day be sober, to be disciplined. Disciplined in our minds, disciplined in our hearts, disciplined with our bodies. And here's the thing. This church group over here that isn't actually saved but knows how to play the part, they can discipline their outer man. They cannot drink, not smoke, not chew, not cuss, right? Not dance. I don't even know if that's bad, but you know how it gets preached, don't you? Right? They go, well, I'm not doing all these bad things, so I must be right with God. But that's not salvation, is it? Because we can avoid a whole lot of things and yet, we'll never reach perfection. We'll never give God enough of an offering or of good works because all of our good works offered to God is still yet filthy rags. And now as we move here, we, we see that's the one group. And here, they're, they're undisciplined, truly, if they really think about it. They've never been converted. They've never been discipled. But the Christian today who is simply existing in this weird in-between of being churchy and being saved, go all the way. Be a disciple of Christ. Be discipled. And find out that God has much more for you in your Christian life than what you think. The Lord has much more for us to do and to entrust us with than we think. We often limit the things that God does or can do because we have so limited ourselves by saying, well, I can't because of my past. Well, that past is gone. It's no longer who you are. So therefore, because Christ is coming, be all in for Him today. Now, He gives us some instructions about what being sober looks like. Those that are sober, they're constantly, continuously putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Now, this week, we've got Keepers of the Kingdom, VBS, and much of it is dealing with the armor of God there in Ephesians. Now, this is not a contradiction, first of all. Right? Paul wrote both of these letters. Right, He did so by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. What we find is that in, the, uh, in Ephesians, in its context, in that whole chapter, he had uh, ended uh, a section early on in the chapter dealing with the relationship of the homes. Now he's getting into the spiritual warfare as a whole. And so he gives uh, from head to toe and toe to head and everything in between what the armor of God looks like. Now, this does not mean that this is different from 1 Thessalonians, but rather the two are complementary of one another. And we find that here he's encouraging them of three main things. And we won't get to finish this today, but they're incredibly important in Paul's writings. It's faith, hope, and love. The three go together. We find them as well in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We find these things together because they belong together. They are our new nature. They are our new position. Now, one commentator writes, A Roman breastplate covered a soldier from his neck to his waist and protected most of his vital organs. That is what Christians' faith and love do. Faith in God protects inwardly and love for people protects outwardly. 
these two graces cannot be separated. If one believes in God, he will also love other people. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, 3 and 3, 5. These attitudes equip Christians to stand ready for the rapture. There's two things that should mark a Christian. It is faith and love. It always has been. These are natural for us because now we are no longer of the darkness that does not believe, but rather we are of the light that not just believes God wants to be saved, but believes God daily and moment by moment to provide and protect and to build His church to, to, to equip us and to enable us for the day of battle and for the coming days ahead as we watch and wait for the coming of Christ. We find that love is needed. Not just that we love God, but if we truly love God,